the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by the Federation for American Immigration Reform and George Rodriguez on 930 AM, The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, howdy, howdy once again, my friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Welcome to the show and welcome to on this beautiful Saturday, September 9th, 2023. So, football season has gotten going, my friends. College football, love it. I am in heaven. Um, all right, so let me tell you real quick who our guests are today because um, uh, we've got a full pro- program and uh, we want to get into it real quick. First of all, um, we've got Mr. Charles Ortel. He's a good friend uh, from New York City. He lives in Manhattan. He's going to be telling us what is going on in Manhattan, in New York City, with the uh, uh, arrival of migrants there. Uh, We have seen the mayor of New York just freaking out uh, over a few thousand Migrants that have arrived in New York City, uh, he ought to he ought to be living in Del Rio or, or uh, Eagle Pass. You know, uh, that's all I can tell you. He ought to be living in, in El Paso or Laredo or Brownsville, McAllen, Balgami. So anyway, uh, Charles Ortel is going to be talking to us about that. We also have Mr. John Zadrozny. Uh, John is uh, with the America First Legal Foundation in uh, Washington, D.C., and uh, he's going to be chatting with us about uh, the um, uh, efforts that they have uh, to um, try to get the Biden administration to uh, do something about uh, the uh, open border, what is happening at the open border, not to mention uh, how to prosecute some of these uh, sanctuary communities that now all of a sudden are not so sanctuary Uh, for the people that they claim for, Uh, what they're doing to try to address that whole situation so that illegal immigration laws can be enforced. That's what it's all about. Uh, We also have uh, Mr. Simon Hankinson from uh, the Heritage Foundation. He's going to be chatting with us about uh, the legislative efforts that are going on in Washington, D.C. to address the issue of uh, illegal immigration. Simon's a very good friend, a senior fellow there in uh, in uh, Washington D.C. with the Heritage Foundation, and finally we've got Mr. Randy Clark, good friend of mine from uh, Breitbart. He is actually going to be reporting from Arizona. Usually, he is in the in Eagle Pass El, uh, Del Rio area reporting, but he has uh, he has been uh, traveling, and uh, he's going to be talking to us from. Uh, uh, Arizona, from Ajo and other places like that, Yuma, uh, telling us what is happening uh, in Arizona with the illegal immigration, the open border, which, uh, my friends, you're going to be shocked to hear what he's got to say. So, without further ado, let's go to our first guest, Mr. Charles Ortel. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. And uh, we've got a gentleman who's been on our show before, Mr. Charles Ortel, who is a retired uh, banker. He is also a resident, my friends, of New York City. So I wanted to reach out to him and chat with him and ask him what is going on in his backyard with the migrant situation. We have seen and heard so much about it. Charles, thank you very much for taking time to be with us. Tell us about what's going on in your backyard there in New York City. Well, thanks so much for having me on. I mean, I moved here when I was three years old in 1959. And obviously, my early memories of New York City are through the prism of a child's eyes. 
but in the 60s, it was wonderful. And then we had the mayhem of the 70s and the 80s. I well remember that and problems in the 90s. But I can tell you in the last, really prior to COVID, but especially after COVID, it has never been more dangerous. I uh, live in a very nice part of Manhattan. I do not go out at night. I do not go out early in the morning. I don't go out to restaurants anymore. Every time I leave my residence, there are beggars everywhere. There are people doing their business, you know, bodily functions of all types on the streets. There are people sleeping on the streets, in the parks, next to schools. Um, And then as far as migrants are concerned, the supposed wise do-gooders, the Democratic Progressive team in City Hall and, and State Capitol, declared that New York City and New York State were sanctuary cities. And of course, from around the world, people came. And now there's one hotel, the Roosevelt Hotel, which is a shambles. And they've tried to paper the thing over. We, we, with Jason Goodman, we have a podcast show and we've been by there several times, including most recently, most of this past, uh, I think Sunday we walked by there. It's, you know, filled with people who appear to be given cell phones and packages of clothes and free this and free that. But they haven't been vetted. And there are many, many legal people in the legal lane who want to come to this great country and contribute whatever they have to, to, to making this country even better. And instead, the the clueless, corrupt, and incompetent Biden apparatchik regime is attracting criminals, basically, who are, who are destroying this, this country. It's, it's ridiculous. One of the things that uh, has made the news this morning uh, on, on this Tuesday is um, that in Chester, Pennsylvania, there is a Brazilian illegal alien murderer, a guy who right. murdered in uh, in Brazil and apparently has murdered somebody here in the United States, that he somehow escaped and he is running loose. Now, this is an illegal alien that is loose who uh, is a murderer. Um, right. Your thoughts? <laughs> I, you know, this is... This is uh, Biden, Mayorkas, and a lot of other Ben Garland should all be impeached. I mean, this is, I don't want to hear about racist roads and racist cars and these nuanced issues like climate change. If, if the government cannot protect the vulnerable, keep our borders secure, protect the elderly, help uh, educate the young, uh, force, you know, make sure we have law and order in this country. If you can't do that, forget about foreign aid, forget about all these ideas, and scale back the size of government immensely. I mean, these people are uh, really damaging most people who live in poor communities. I mean, you think about what's going on in poor sections of this uh, city, New York, and there are poor sections, very dangerous poor sections. In Chicago, you name it. Uh, I even read a story recently that Casper, Wyoming, which doesn't strike me as a place that should have a lot of illegal immigrants or any people at all, apparently has a massive homeless problem there. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Uh, the, the the homeless issue, as well as the defund the police issue, seem to have created a perfect storm with all of these uh, migrants as well. Uh, what uh, What is your observation on that? Well, what we see, this, Jason Goodman and I have done twice-weekly podcasts since March of 2020. Uh, when lockdown started, we said right away, we're not doing that. We're going to go show the world what... New York City is like and, and the Northeast. Uh, and our observation is that we, we see the same sort of criminal perpetrators everywhere. We've tried to report them to the police. They will not do anything because our district attorney has decided he's not going to prosecute crime. Uh. So if you're the police, why go through the bother of arresting and possibly getting hurt somebody and then bringing that person, booking them, only to learn that the attorney, uh, district attorney isn't going to bother prosecuting or if they do something, they'll let them off with a wrist slap. Mm-hmm. So the criminal element understands this. And there's a tale in today's paper about that some ring of brazen thieves are going around New York City stealing fancy cars from fancy homes. And they've done you know done it like thirteen times during a weekend or something. It's mm-hmm. it's it's out of control. And the, and and when you go and try to report it to the cops, I actually uh near where I am, I'm not gonna say exactly where I am. Um, there, there are a lot of buildings with scaffoldings up that are being renovated and the homeless people to get out of the rain they'll go there and you'll see collections of drug addicts shooting up and near a library around the corner from one of these scaffoldings two policemen were trying to deal with a big, an emerging chop 
you know, of homeless people or erecting structures and stuff. And I watched them do that. And I went up to one of the police ladies and I said, listen, excuse me, officer, you've got another problem like this up the street. And she sassed me. We're busy. <laughs> oh, okay. You know, and it doesn't, we have 35,000 police people, which sounds like a lot, but there are 8 million or so residents in New York. Correct. So if you, if the people, if the citizens like me are sassed when we try to help the police, people like me leave, That's which is right. what I intend to do. That's right. That's right. The number of, of people exiting New York City seems to be, seems to be, well, the whole state of New York seems to be very, very dramatic. However, that doesn't seem to, um, to impact. I mean, I, I heard uh, Mayor Adams from New York um, uh, screaming and yelling for more money. Uh, I, I don't hear him yelling and screaming for, uh, uh, to, to shut the border, which is where all of these migrants are coming from. Uh, and I certainly don't um, hear him yelling at the uh, at the DA in in New York to um, to lock more people up. I'm not sure where well, where they're coming from. Well, I used to think it was difficult to find somebody stupid and more corrupt than Bill De Blasio, our previous mayor. But you know, here with with Eric Adams, I mean, first of all, my, your listeners might not know this is a transit cop who somehow managed to scare up enough money to buy an apartment building in Brooklyn, I think that has multiple uncured violations, or it did have um, multiple uncured housing violations, as he ran for mayor, nonetheless, he got elected. And I, I think they may still be open. <laughs> so, so, I mean, he's a useful idiot. Um, he was over in Israel. Uh, I don't know why. Um, we have, a, in this city, we have an out-of-control rat and mouse problem. I, I, until you fix that, you're not going to Israel. <laughs> fix the rat problem. <laughs> Yeah, they seem they 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 have a, a propensity to uh, to overlook the obvious the obvious problems and and reach for the stars. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I don't know the last time you were here, but but you know, with COVID, what the the idiot team decided to do was that some magically COVID wouldn't be spread in these ramshackle outdoor, outdoors wooden structures that they allowed restaurants to erect, which of course homeless people sleep in. You know, after the restaurant closes and they're filthy, mm. um, and and then garbage stopped being collected. So there's garbage everywhere. Um, there are these remnants of these outdoor structures. Um, there are homeless people sleeping in the street, filthy, and uh, you know the place is a mess. Yeah. Let Let me ask you this uh, final question before we let you go. The um do you think there will be a political backlash in the presidential election uh, against liberals, leftists, Democrats, whatever you want to call them, uh, because of the uh, problems with uh, defunding the police, because of the open border, because of all of this that they're, that's happening? Do you think there's going to be a backlash? Well, there's the old saying, uh, conservatives, conservative is a liberal has been mugged. And I think, you know, that's... I, I think what we're going to see here is a realignment against both parties. They come to resemble each other. And folks are going to start thinking independently and saying, oh, wait a minute, the largest expense we have is government. Government is destroying everything. You know, we need to put government on a diet. I think you're going to see that kind of a big political realignment. Um, and warning signs for the Democrats are that you, you're, the Democrats took minorities for granted, thinking they get you know, 90, 95% of that vote. That's over. I think mm -hmm. totally over. I would agree with that. Definitely. You see that in Texas. Definitely. The Hispanic vote uh, very much going in a in a conservative direction because, uh, well, somehow they seem to think that just because you're of, of Latino descent, you support illegal immigration. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, insanity. Well, and inflation is just Republican propaganda. Ah, yes. Then there's that. <laughs> uh, which reminds me, I have to go fill up my truck later today. <laughs> Did you issue a euro bond to raise a million bucks to do that? <laughs> yes, you know, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm contacting my Saudi friends to see if they can help me out. Or my Iranian friends at this point, for crying out loud. <laughs> right. Oh, my man, thank you very much for taking time to be with us. Uh, folks, we've been, we've been speaking <clears throat> with our good friend Charles Ortel from New York City. Tell us about your podcast. Tell us about your podcast before I let you go. 
Sure. It's on uh, Sundays or Wednesdays. It's Sunday with Charles and closing in on Wednesday. It's on multiple formats, uh, YouTube, uh, Rumble, on and on, subscribe to anything. It's with my good friend Jason Goodman, who does Crowdsource the Truth, and he does shows, I think, almost seven days a week. Excellent. Thank you very, very much. Folks, once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. And we've got uh, our very good friend, Mr. John Zadrozny from uh, America First Legal Foundation in D.C. I wanted to get him on because he has uh, been following this whole situation from a legal perspective of the um, uh, of the border crisis. John, welcome to the show. Thank you for being with us again. Hey, George, it's an honor to be with you again. Thanks for having me. Uh, let me ask you right off the bat. We are hearing now in the news constantly about uh, these eastern blue cities uh, that are uh, screaming and yelling about um, the migrants coming into their community. We didn't hear that uh, earlier when they were coming into Texas. Uh, but uh, they are just uh, having a map. Well, it's not just the, it's all the blue cities. Los Angeles, uh, the statement from the mayor's office yesterday was that uh, their declaration of a sanctuary community does not is not an invitation for for the migrants. I, I, you know, I'm flabbergasted. I'm blown away with that statement. Absolutely blown away. What uh, what are you hearing? What are your thoughts uh, on this uh, all of a sudden turning of this uh, of this uh, uh, opinion and, and uh, view of, of the migrants? Yeah, it's it's nuts, George. I almost don't have the words. Uh, but uh, what I find really stunning about this is, like you said, first of all, this has been an explosive level of crisis um, along the southern border states um, from California to Texas. And this has been this way for a very long time, not just the last two and a half years, of the Lord knows uh, Joe Biden's crime family administration has really exacerbated the problem by essentially shutting down border security. But now you get a few hundred, maybe a thousand or a few thousand showing up in these states, uh, these blue, like indigo blue states, big cities, and they're they're flipping their lids. And it's it's hysterical to me because the reality is it's a pittance compared to this, the sheer volume of people who have entered the country and gone elsewhere. And I love that, that story you just mentioned about how they said sanctuary status wasn't really an invitation. Well, <laughs> really what it, what, it, what it comes down to, George, is that um, this is all part of a broader political strategy by the left. They love illegal immigration. They need it for political purposes. Um, they love the virtue strutting of being a sanctuary jurisdiction. But it turns out they don't like the volume of people coming in when they actually take the invitation seriously and then start using public resources. Um, and don't forget, too, these states, uh, New York, California, Illinois, we can go down the list. Uh, they are hemorrhaging real Americans, like actual Americans, citizens, people who are like, I've had it. I'm not paying these taxes anymore. These states are destroying my children in school. I'm out of here. I'm going to an actual American state. And then as a result, those states are in trouble because they realize if they keep hemorrhaging people, the next time the census rolls around, they're looking at a drop off of congressional representation and appropriated dollars. And so they need illegal aliens because they've – and that's why, by the way, George, if you recall, when we tried during the Trump administration to – just not even like explicitly tally citizens only for the census. We just had a question in the census saying, are you illegally present in the United States? The left went bananas, and it's because they cannot allow a situation where we're only counting or even asking about how many citizens are in a state versus how many people are in a state. Um, the last thing they want is a situation where the census is telling citizens only, because that means California loses money. That means New York loses money. Um, it's all, what I find really funny about this, George, is that these states um, that are all of a sudden, um, you know, pearl clutching over the presence of illegal aliens in these states, it's a drop in the bucket compared to the volume that other places are experiencing. And so for them to be calling out the National Guard and <laughs> declaring emergencies and so on is, is comical. Uh, if it wasn't comical. You, you broke up there. Sorry, George. Uh, uh, yeah, no, sorry. I said if it wasn't so dangerous, it'd be comical. Yeah, the, uh, you know, this situation, obviously, um, that uh, where the preference is given to illegal aliens in some of these communities. I mean, what is the point of being a legal resident, a legal citizen, if an illegal alien can come in and uh, appropriate your uh, school, for example, uh, or get better um, health uh, uh, health benefits. I, I don't understand that. 
Yeah, it's really uh, it's it's a problem. It's been a problem for a very long time, George. And there's this myth that people who have concerns about illegal immigration are just a bunch of white racists in the South or something. It's not true. Actually, the people who I know who are uh, the most angry about illegal immigration are people who came here legally. Yes. There are people who, they came here to be citizens, they dreamed of being Americans, they achieved their dream, they worked really hard to be here, and then you've got people who probably don't even care about being American, by the way, they just want the goodies, um, are just walking across the border and being shipped at taxpayer expense all over the place and getting goodies, and they're like, wait a second, I did this the right way, how is this possible? So, yeah, no, far from the, the perception the left wants to convey, legal immigrants are the most furious when it comes to illegal immigrants. And, uh, you know, they're, they're an important voice in the conversation. I hope more of them speak up because America needs to hear it. Let me let me ask you about this, because this is one of the curious things to us down here uh, in in uh, along the border and in, in, in uh, Texas is, um, you know, we are hearing the uh, these uh, political leaders like uh, New York Mayor uh, Adams and uh, others who are upset. The governor of Massachusetts has called out the National Guard. Uh, kind of dramatic, but uh, that's what she's done. Uh, they're all reacting this very strong way against the migrants. Um, but they don't say anything about shutting the border. They ask for more money or more resources. Right. I mean, again, George, I think that comes down to what they really what they really want. They want the political power of illegal aliens coming into the country, possibly voting illegally, maybe even getting an amnesty or becoming a political force that is beholden to the Democratic Party. But they just don't want the burden of dealing with them <laughs> right now. Uh, it's actually kind of insulting in a way, and it's, it's almost dehumanizing like, to the extent they pretend they care about people. We know the truth is that they don't. Um, what I find really infuriating, though, also is that uh, it's, it's kind of only because resources are being used in those states. It reminds me a little bit of, if you recall about eight years ago when there was that influx from Syria uh, into the European Union. Um, there were hundreds of thousands of Syrians came into the European Union as they were welcomed, welcomed with open arms by the EU bureaucracy. But what started to happen was, if you, if you remember, they came in at, in certain nations. They, you know, Their point of contact was Italy or Greece or whatever. But then they started navigating toward the, the more generous welfare state countries. <laughs> like yeah. they went to Scandinavia or they went to France and the leaders of those countries were saying, whoa, 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 we just wanted you to come to Europe. We didn't want you to come here. Yeah. And the reality is they they did it to themselves, and then what happened was you wound up getting these people coming to the, the most generous welfare state states. Uh, the same thing is happening here. It's, it's kind of a, a similar version of it um, in that they are going to Massachusetts. They are going to California. They are going to New York because those are the states that shovel money out the door to all sorts of welfare recipients, and now it's illegal aliens on, on the pile too. So they, if they really want to stop this, they should shut down access to goodies for illegal aliens and they'll leave. <laughs> one more question, because uh, this is a, this is one that I, I am really curious about. Do you see any kind of backlash uh, against the liberals, leftists, Democrats, whatever you want to call them, uh, over this issue? Do you see any kind of political realignment because of their uh, because of the situation? I mean, I think there's already been one underway, George, honestly, for a while now. Uh, you know, you've got more black Americans, uh, you know, not even not necessarily a giant number, but uh, more and more voting Republican because they do not like what they see. Um, you know, they, the Democrat Party used to be the party of uh, American minorities and labor and protection of labor, and it has completely abandoned those those two camps. As a result, I think you've got a lot of black Americans who are looking at Republicans for the first time ever in a voting booth. Probably the same for uh, you know legal Hispanic Americans, people who are here. I mean, I know the guys who work in the Border Patrol. They're Mexican-American, fourth generation. They're sick of this stuff, uh, and they are not voting for Democrats. And more and more, I think, uh, as they start to see the difference, and the Republican Party's got flaws, George. We could talk about those another day, but um, there's a difference between a party that just ignores the problems and fuels the problems and a party that mostly does the right thing when push comes to shove. And I think they're starting to see that. Whether... Um, you know, whether this is something that manifests in those states, I don't know. I think a lot of rank-and-file Democrats are probably not happy with what they're seeing from their party. I'm not sure what that means for the future, but I'll tell you what. The person who starts winning, the people who will start winning elections are the people who promise to have a zero-tolerance approach to illegal immigration in the future. And what that means, George, it's not just, you know, like a lot of politicians do where they wag their finger and say illegal immigration, bad. The next president, his team, they need to walk in the door and say, if you came here illegally under Joe Biden, you're gone. If you 
uh, have gotten uh, legal permanent residency under Joe Biden, we're going to take a second look at you and make sure that you didn't lie in your application. If you got citizenship and lied in your citizenship application, we're going to denaturalize you, which you can do under federal law. And it has to basically be said that anyone who came in and came in under the, the premise that they could be here and wander around illegally is going to get a second look. There are going to be a lot of people who make that makes people nervous because um, the reality is the courts have been uh, they've stuck their nose in this issue a little bit too much because it's a national security issue and not a domestic issue. Um, but I think those are the people who are going to win. So we'll see if that realignment holds and if it applies to future candidates. But I don't know. We've got a lot of work to do, George. The reality is we, we cannot send a signal that illegal immigration is okay. The volume is just too substantial. A lot of bad people have come in as in the process, and Americans pay the price for it, economically and otherwise. You have to stop it. You're right. I mean, we cannot we cannot continue to tolerate and excuse illegal immigration. I mean, we just can't do that. Buddy, thank you very much for taking time to be with us. Uh, tell the folks where they can follow you. Well, thank you, George. Uh, anyone wants to come see what we're doing? Uh, America First Legal has its uh, its you know hands in a lot of pies. We are working on a lot of issues. We've got a lot of litigation happening, including in the woke equity space. Uh, for those who want to come check us out, please come check us out at aflegal.org. That's alphafranklegal.org. Once again, thank you very, very much, my friend. George Rodriguez, we've been speaking with our good friend, Mr. John Zabrosny from America First Legal Foundation of Washington, D.C. Take care, John. Thank you so much, George. God bless you. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And we've got our good friend, Mr. Simon Hankinson uh, from the Heritage Foundation. He is a senior research fellow uh, at the uh, Center for Border uh, Crisis and Immigration with the Heritage Foundation in Washington, D.C. And I wanted to get him on because all of a sudden there is an uproar in these Democrat-led cities regarding uh, the border crisis because migrants are coming into their community, like in Atlantic City most recently, like in New York City, like in uh, the state of Massachusetts, the governor has called out the National Guard, and uh, on and on. And uh, on top of that, my friends, on top of that, we have had the recent situation of a jail breakout by a convicted illegal alien murderer from Brazil, and he's loose in Chester, PA, in Chester, Pennsylvania, of all places. Not, not Laredo, uh, not San Antonio, no, 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 in Chester, PA, can you imagine? Um, so anyway, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, Simon, thank you very much for taking time to be with us. Tell us what is going on from your perspective. I mean, you're in D.C., and D.C. is one of the ones that's screaming and yelling about the influx of, of, of migrants. Hey, it's great to, to be back with you, George. And yeah, D.C. Uh, is feeling the effects, uh, not as much as New York City because it's a smaller town, but uh, nonetheless. Um, and look, what, what it boils down to is this. If you reward behavior, you get more of it. If that's good behavior, like you know, teaching kids to, to study in school and, and people to show up for work on time and pay their taxes and do their civic duty, you get more of that. And if you encourage people to behave badly and you reward bad behavior, you get more of that. So what you see all over the country uh, from Los Angeles where they've uh, lowered the, the level of, uh, of felonies so that you can steal up to 950 bucks without basically being prosecuted because they don't bother to prosecute misdemeanors uh, or in San Francisco where you can uh, take a dump on the street and shoot up drugs and uh, deal drugs and you won't be prosecuted for it. Uh, in D.C. where you know I look out my window at home and I see about uh, five tents just on public land where people have decided to, to take up residence uh, because the city lets them. You know, and I could go on and on the border it's the same exact thing. It's the giant magnet where the Biden administration is essentially releasing the majority of people who arrive. If you want, uh, you know, real good breakdown figures, you can go to uh, Art Arthur at, at the Center for Immigration Studies does great work. Um, but just reading the headlines every day, you see, I think in, in the month of August, it was up to like 180,000 just on the southwest border were encountered. And what we know is that the majority of those are released. The government 
because in the Clinton administration, they threw in the towel and, and signed a consent decree, even though they didn't need to. Um, uh, in, the, in the Flores case, they basically have to release uh, anyone who is in a family group or claiming to be in a family group if they can't deal with the case within a, a very short amount of time, like three weeks. So everybody knows this across the world. Um, I was reading the, the New York Post today, and there's families from Russia, Venezuela, Mexico, uh, Africa coming in because they know that the border is open. And until that stops, until the Biden administration uh, or let's hope a future uh, administration takes border security seriously and interior enforcement and the rule of law seriously, this magnet is going to keep sucking people in and then you're going to see the consequences of crime, of uh, uh, cities and states having to shell out billions of dollars that they haven't budgeted for, of schools and hospitals being overcrowded and having to spend taxpayer money with no revenue coming in and on and on. The the situation with uh, families, with people claiming that they are families. I remember under the Trump administration, they had started DNA uh, testing, uh, at least periodically, which had um, uh, discouraged a lot of people from claiming uh, that they were families, particularly of using kids to claim that they were families. Um, That DNA testing has gone the way of... of, uh, the dinosaur as well under Biden under the Biden administration has it not? Yeah, because it worked. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. If, if they did DNA tests, it's just like when they did remain in Mexico, uh, which was a great policy. It wasn't designed to stop anyone from claiming asylum. Although I think we need to start thinking about that in future. Um, it, it was designed to let them have their say and have their due process, but not give them all of the rewards before they've had the due process when 90% of them weren't going to get asylum because they didn't qualify. So it it made a lot of sense. It worked. DNA testing, same thing. It discouraged people from, you know, renting kids or abusing kids or trafficking kids um, or or having kids, you know, walk up through the Daring Gap or Mexico or in in places that are not safe for them um, by making sure that these groups were at least, even if the law is flawed and has to release them into the country never to be seen again, at least they were actually family groups, but it worked too well, so they had to get rid of it. Every time you see the same with alternatives to detention, um, this this idea was it was started long ago, like 10 years ago, but the idea was if you couldn't detain everybody, at least you could give them GPS monitors or some uh, uh, you know way to, to check in so they couldn't just disappear. Well, that was working too well, too, so they dumbed that down and turned it into a bunch of social programs uh, that are essentially ineffective. Yeah. Now, uh, you know, what's very, very unusual about this, well, not unusual, but I'm, I'm very curious about this. The, um, uh, the Biden administration, this border crisis, seems to be impacting tremendously on Democrat-run cities. And they're the ones that are screaming and yelling, but they seem to be screaming and yelling for more money rather than telling the border, rather than telling Biden to uh, control the border or better yet to uh, stop the illegal flow of uh, of uh, uh, migrants, they uh, they seem to yell at the governor of Texas for busing people, but they um, I- I'm not sure if this is going to have an impact on on the presidential election next year, or if it's having any kind of impact um, politically locally. What what are your thoughts on that? Have you had any kind of observation? Well, you know, it reminds me of one of my favorite quotes from Margaret Thatcher, where she said, I'll get it wrong, but something like, socialists never give up until they've run out of other people's money. Um, the, the Most of our big cities are run by, by Democrats. They're, they're blue cities. Um, I think that's I, there are probably one or two exceptions, but, uh, you know, New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, you know, just off the top of my head. Um, and, and Washington D.C. So it's it's um, you know no coincidence that they're in favor of sanctuary cities and, and essentially open borders. Um, it, in my mind, one of the beauties of our federal system should be that you get the laws that you vote for, you get the politicians that you elect, and that means that if Florida and Texas uh, elect intelligent politicians who balance the books, um, keep the the insanity out of the schools, and try to make sure that people who are working are legally entitled to work, 
then that's what they get. And if people in California and New York vote for sanctuary cities, uh, uh, prosecutors who don't prosecute crime um, and high taxes, then that's what they get. The problem is uh, that the, the Democrats in general uh, have, have always tried to increase the size of government and they want to foist the costs of their decisions onto all taxpayers, not just those who voted for them, of course. So yeah, New York City, uh, Washington, Los Angeles, uh, all, all these big cities and all these uh, uh, states would, Massachusetts being the, the latest to jump on, New Jersey, I was listening to the governor of Jersey uh, talk about this, they want the federal government, in other words, you and me, through our taxes, to pay for the Biden administration's giant magnet. So it's kind of a, a, a circular uh, reasoning where they create this giant problem and then, oh no, we have a giant problem. Well, more federal money will fix it. So you give us more money <laughs> and we can hire more people to build more tent cities to process more illegal immigrants in. And then now what are they saying? They're saying, well, they can't work. So we just need to give them work permits. Well, <laughs> think about that for a minute. If, if you know you come from any country in the world, you know that you show up to the U.S. border, you will be let in. You will be given a work permit. You don't have to pay a penny for it. You don't have to show any form of ID. You could have a criminal record as long as you're armed back home. You could be a complete deadbeat suffering from, you know, 10 diseases that need public assistance to cure. No problem. Come on in. Well, you know, you'd be an idiot not to take advantage of that. Um, and so in order to solve the problem, instead of saying to, to Biden, look, you've got to enforce the laws. We can argue about changing them, but you've got to enforce what's on the books. Uh, they're saying – well, they're saying that kind of under their breath, but out loud they're saying, yeah, send us more federal money so we can rent more hotels and pay for more services. <laughs> it, it really is. I mean, it really is outrageous that uh, they're asking us to pay for uh, a, a problem that they clearly – have created and made worse. It really is. One last question for you, buddy. Um, we just watched the debates, the presidential GOP debates, so the, the candidates, except for Trump, of course. And um, did you did you do you feel that they have uh, focused enough on the border crisis and on immigration? Um, no, I, of course I wouldn't, because that's what I spend my life, uh, you know, working on professionally. Um, <laughs> I, I do think, it, you know, we have a, a very difficult system. Uh, it, it, I mean, it's good in the sense that there are only two parties, so we don't end up with, you know, 25 parties and coalitions and, uh, you know, 10 governments in, in a year, like Italy and Israel sometimes have. Um, but it, it does also mean that you've got to run far to the right or left of where you might in a national election when you're in the primaries. So, you know, I I, I think that positions are, they're, they're taking positions now that are maybe more extreme um, than they ultimately would. Um, and they're probably avoiding some issues that are, are just losers for them either way. Hmm. I, 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 I believe I, I would agree with you. All right, my man, thank you very, very much for taking time to be with us. Folks, we've been speaking with our good friend, Mr. Simon Hankinson from the Heritage Foundation, the uh, Center for, uh, for, border, uh, for the Border Crisis and Immigration. Uh, Simon, thank you very much for taking time to be with us. We'll get you back on the show sometime soon again. That'd be great. It's a pleasure, as always. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. And uh, we've got our good friend, Mr. Randy Clark, with uh, Breitbart. He's a reporter for Breitbart, also a former uh, Border Patrol agent. And uh, he currently is in Arizona... Uh, observing and uh, reporting, and I wanted to get him on to share with us what uh, what he sees, what's going on in that part of the world. Randy, thank you for taking time. Welcome to the show. Good morning, George. Uh, pretty shocking stuff going on out here. Tucson sector, where I'm at right now, uh, is leading the nation in migrant crossings. Uh, most of those are surrenders. This uh, past month, unofficial reports that I've reviewed show them uh, nearly at 50,000 apprehensions for the month, as the agency on a whole is recording almost 600,000 migrant gotaways. Uh, so I've looked at this from several angles here. 
I've looked at the sheltering system, the non-government sheltering system. Uh, they're overwhelmed. Uh, I've looked at the facilities that the Border Patrol relies upon to process this many migrants that are crossing daily. Uh, one day last week, they were nearly 1,700 crossings into this Tucson sector. Uh, the facilities that they have to process are undergoing expansion. They are spending $7 million a month on those facilities, and now they're going to double the cost and to double the capacity to allow for, for that influx to, to come in and be accommodated. Most of these here, uh, amazingly, are folks from out of the hemisphere. Just this morning, I was in Lukeville near their port of entry, uh, a ways out into the desert. There were more than 300 migrants that I stumbled upon uh, coming off of the border fence and walking into the city. Uh, and of those, very few could speak Spanish. Uh, those that I did speak to that could speak English were from Senegal. They were from the Islamic Republic of Mauritania. They were from India. There was one person from Pakistan. And probably of the 30 to 40 that could actually speak Spanish, mostly Peruvian and Ecuadorian nationals. But this is a serious issue. Uh, these people will be released within the next few days. They'll be taken to a shelter uh, in Phoenix, and then they'll be on to their to their next destination in the United States. Uh, but really, it, it goes beyond that. I was in Phoenix yesterday at a shelter. Uh, I spoke to a man from Mexico and his two teenage sons. They were they were admitted by CBP One app, the legal pathway, which is a, has allowed 170 thousand people in since January that comes in addition to all those that are crossing in between the ports that are just strolling through every day. Uh, this gentleman says he presented a generic fear of cartel violence and was allowed to come in through the port of entry. So he didn't even have to make that desert walk or jump a fence or, you know, swim a river. He was admitted and he's headed to Georgia as of last night. Wow. And I asked him, you know, he was from Guanajuato, which is a state in Mexico uh, that is closer to the Texas border than it is to Arizona. It's almost double the distance. And he he said, this is where I could get the appointment. So I just came here. He said there were like six other families from Mexico admitted at around the same time he was. So we have just opened this border despite any messaging that this administration has has given us and they're giving us every single day. It is an absolute lie. Wow. Now, the families, the so-called families, and I'll use that term, the so-called families that are coming in, there is no more DNA testing, so there's no way of knowing whether these are families or not, whether the kids in particular are related no. to the people. We, we employed HSI investigators uh, under the Trump administration because we had, uh, you know, a surge of family units in 2019. And they were at uh, most of the stations and would be deployed where they weren't uh, constantly at to perform those tests. And they were rapid. They're called rapid DNA tests. And they produce results within the hour. And, and we discovered some that were, you know, not related to the to the adult male or female that they were with in in some cases it, it wasn't uh you know a, a measurable percentile it was probably two to three percent uh but that at least was a safety net but you have to remember in that year there were you know 34 unaccompanied minors compared to you know well over 150,000 so they've let the flow get out of hand that even if they tried to come in the numbers are overwhelming that they wouldn't have enough uh, investigators to, to do that to do that work. I, I was told yesterday that the HSI investigators that are in this area are helping the Border Patrol transport these migrant give-ups that they're going to eventually release in the next few days. So they're not even doing investigative work. They're relegated to driving vans and buses. Uh, and that that's just absolutely shocking. Those are the people that are you know that are employed to present criminal cases and to develop conspiracies uh, for against alien smugglers, against child pornography, a host of federal crimes, and they're driving buses and vans to accommodate this open border. Right now, these people that you're talking about right now, these are the people that have 
uh, given themselves up and are introducing themselves and obviously asking for asylum. Uh, what is the, um, I, I remember from my days uh, with immigration, what about uh, people coming through the mountains, people coming through the desert? So those people, and, and that's interesting you mentioned that because I did a story this morning that this is the deadliest sector to cross into the United States from. They led the nation in migrant deaths. That's an exclusive that we had on, on records that I was provided. Those migrants that are trying to get away, which we know 600, almost 600,000 have successfully escaped that the Border Patrol knows about, there are very few agents out there to chase them. It's a very labor, a time-consuming process to, to handle the humanitarian needs of three to 500 people crossing in single groups here that it takes all hands on deck. So there are very few out on ATVs or in horse patrol uh, to get out there and to to look for those people that are actually trying to get away. So we know that death count is likely much higher. You're familiar with this terrain out here. It's never ending. It's very harsh. Uh, so those deaths that they've recorded so far in the Tucson sector, which were 24 last month, uh, that's just a drop in the bucket, according to the people that I'm speaking to with, with the Border Patrol. And those people that are coming in, you know, uh, uh, through through the um, through the desert, through that are trying to be undetected. Uh, many of them, there's a reason why they don't want to be detected. Correct? Yes, ma- many of them realize that you know they're going to be returned <laughs> to Mexico either because they are from Mexico or they're from the Northern Triangle com- countries, and they do not have any basis for asylum. And then there are some that are gang members, uh, people who have been convicted of sex offenses, murder, um, and and we can only imagine the others because we know we have a significant number of people on the, the terror screening database that are coming through. So we just don't know what that is. That's That's the great unknown. Wow. What about the impact on the local communities, like uh, on the border, on the American side, on the border communities? What What is the impact on them? Well, so you, you look at the amount of money that's being spent, uh, like in Tucson and Phoenix, with accommodating these. A lot, a lot of that money is... We're, we're footing the bill. FEMA is is advancing, or not advancing, but it's reimbursing them the, the money to feed, to clothe, to provide what you need. So that's that still gets put up front by the local taxpayers. But from a safety standpoint, you know, these highways are littered with people that are trying to get away. So the local sheriff's departments, police departments are dealing with high-speed pursuits. That's a danger to the community. So the community's starting to see that along the border. And then obviously... The border towns of Chicago and New York City, they're telling us what the financial impact is. And they're liberal, progressive folks that are for open borders, and now they're getting a taste of what it really means to have people come in. You know, we know the housing crisis has impacted even professional workers in this country. There is no way we are going to sustain the over 3 million that will have come through since October, not including the gotaways that we're going to have to accommodate, we're going to have to subsidize living for all of those people. And New York is telling you what that's like. New York and Chicago are telling you this is not cheap. The, you know, three million this year, this is this is in, in a, a phenomenal number. And again, the question, where are they going? (laughs) Well, they will tell you if if you get out on the border and you ask them, they'll tell you. It's pretty much every state with a predominance of New York City and Chicago, Houston, Dallas, Atlanta. They're going to the major metropolitan areas where they hope to get work, most of them. Mm -hmm. But that breakdown is uh, 1.8 million apprehensions. On the southern border right now. That's since October. Those are the apprehensions, not the getaways. <laughs> Those are the apprehensions. And that's including the last month that we exclusively reported on. 600,000 gotaways on top of that. Wow. There have been 170,000 allowed in in the last six months through the alleged lawful pathways with CBP-1. 
And then there are 360,000 in a year, a pace of 30,000 a month for Haitians, Venezuelans, and Cubans that are allowed to fly into airports in the United States. So we don't know the unknown amount of gotaways we didn't count, but if you do the math there, we're, we're gonna be well over 3 million. Wow. So it, it is really a travesty here. And, and, and you know, I, I have to say, observing these border patrol agents to come out here day in and day out this morning with a group of 350 uh mostly non-spanish speaking migrants one border patrol agent is left to coordinate the effort and the garbage pickup and the water delivery just to keep them safe and they're left to walk through a national monument the organ pipe national monument area on a self-guided tour of an open border to find the next rally point where they can surrender Oh my uh, I don't know how they come to work each and every day and, and manage to do it, but uh, because they, they, that's not why we hired them. You know, exactly. we hired them to keep the dangers and the threats out, not to facilitate the entries. Exactly. And that's really what this administration has them doing. Incredible. Randy, thank you very, very much for taking time to be with us today. I, um, you know, giving us a picture of what is going on in Arizona is just. Uh, it, it's mind-blowing. It is absolutely mind-blowing. Tell the people where they can follow you, buddy. They can follow me at Randy Clark BBTX on Twitter. They can look for my stories at Breitbart.com under our Cartel Chronicle page or on the main page and uh, and keep up with everything that's going on from Texas all the way to California on the southwest border. You got it. Once again, my friends, we've been speaking with our good friend, Mr. Randy Clark, with uh, a, a reporter with... Uh, Breitbart, and uh, you stay safe, and we'll see you back in Texas soon, buddy. Yes, sir, George. Have a wonderful day. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Folks, once again, thank you very much for joining us today. I want to thank our guests, um, Mr. Charles Ortel, uh, Simon Hankinson, John Zadrozny, and, and Randy Clark for joining us today. I also want to thank uh, our sponsors, particularly FAIR, the Federation for American Immigration Reform, who pays our bills. Uh, and uh, I also want to thank the Alamo Pachyderm Club, who uh, helps uh, to pay for our website and our, and our costs. Uh, I, uh, if you're interested in uh, being a uh, supporter or a donor to uh, El Conservador, please contact me uh, here at the station or uh, through social media. I'll be glad to give you whatever information I can. We would love to have you as a supporter, a donor, or an advertiser. Thank you very much. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. Till next time, my friends. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.